Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Attorney Podcast, where we talk to women attorneys all over the United States. As we all know, they are simply amazing at what they do inside and outside of the legal profession. So our guest today is the managing partner of Stokes Law Group, PLLC, founded in 2014 by Ms. Seanette Stokes. Ms. Stokes is a practicing attorney licensed in the state of Florida. Her firm specializes in the legal and business aspects of estate planning and wealth management. Currently, she serves, an as, she serves as an adjunct professor in the Paralegal Studies Program at Hillsborough Community College, where she also teaches a range of subjects, such as copyright, music law, and even contract law. She believes that her education cannot end when she leaves the classroom. She also believes that her goal in life is to help others in any way that she can. This includes speaking to various groups about the complexities of the law in their communities, which has helped her become an expert in her field. Ms. Stokes is not just an attorney, she is an experienced entrepreneur and trailblazer who is moving and running a law firm at the same time. And we all know that is not fun. <laughs> Thanks for being here with us today. I know we were talking a little bit um, earlier just about the chaos of the day. Today yes. has been a little crazy for a Friday. Right? Um, <laughs> I keep forgetting that today is Friday. Like, why? why I, I know. <laughs> I know. We were talking about the fact that, like, you know, we're forgetting to eat because mm -hmm. we're so busy and we're just, you know, running around and just doing nine million different things. So how are you navigating? And I'm going to get into all the awesome things that you get to do. But how are you navigating, you know, taking care of yourself? moving and your law firm, um, you know, all at the same time? Well, I have um, an amazing staff that is assisting me throughout this process. So they are aware that I am in the process of moving because my clients obviously don't know that I'm moving and they need to, you know, my staff needs to manage the practice while I'm away. So I am able to actually move and pack things. I'm trying to do like maybe one or two boxes a day yeah. and then get to work because it really frustrates me when I, I'm just like not doing anything with respect to the move. So I have to at least do one or two boxes and then I can get to my actual work work. Yeah, it, it is tough. And you mentioned, you know, you have to do something. Um, yeah. I think, you know, all of us attorneys, we have the same type A personality. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but for me, I can't sit still. And when I sit yeah. still and I'm not doing anything or I'm doing something I want to do, I feel bad. Absolutely. I really, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I just, I can't just sit here and sit idle. I know that I want to hire movers but and packers, but I need to do it my, myself. I just, I can't. <laughs> it's going to bother me. Because. It is. And, you know, sometimes movers and packers, they don't handle your things right the way you would want them to. Right. So you end up, I think, with a bigger headache than, mm -hmm. you know, had you done it yourself, just like yeah. incrementally. Yeah. I know for me moving, I always get to a point where I'm like, I have a lot more stuff than I thought I did. Yeah, I'm going to throw half of this stuff away because it's ridiculous. I didn't realize how much stuff I had. It's yeah. Yeah, you do. You you get into that. So how do you let's talk about, um, you know, your background. And I think it's very interesting that, you know, you, you mentioned the legal and business aspects um, of estate planning. Like what what is that? Can you kind of explain that to me? I think that that's a very um, 
interesting, uh, you know, way to, to practice estate planning law. Of course. So a lot of my clients are business owners. So a lot of it overlaps into estate planning. So they want to make sure that there is a succession plan in place with their business. So they want to be able to pass the baton, so to speak, from one person to the next. So we have those conversations and, you know, I, I advise the client, hey, you, you want to make sure that you have someone that actually wants to manage your business while you're away. Otherwise, the, the company will eventually dissolve after you've gone, after you've gone and passed away, because there's no one in place that you have that is going to take over your business and handle it like you will. So we have those conversations and we form the business as we would any other business. But then we have those conversations about retirement. And even if they're a young um, entrepreneur, we still have those conversations because you want to make sure that they put things in place and ha start having conversations with their family about the legacy that they're going to leave with their business. Yeah, I think that's very important. As young business owners, we don't really think about retirement. And, you know, one of the, the I don't want to say downfall of um, having your own business is we don't have retirement plans. Yeah. We, we have to get our own retirement plans. Um, yes. You know, we have our um, self-employment plans. There's many of them. There's IRAs. There's um, so many things that we can ultimately put into place. But our, our, you know, our endeavors do not come with an automatic, you know, uh, fringe benefit package. We don't Absolutely. get that. So I, yeah, so I can't imagine, I can't imagine, you know, the chaos in trying to start a business, trying to start, you know, retirement planning and estate planning all at the same time. You know, Absolutely. I'm pretty sure your clients can um, get overwhelmed. How do you um, you know, kind of calm them down. Because I think a lot of what we do, especially with estate planning, is we get our clients to understand, like, everything's going to be okay. You know, it's just a matter of properly putting everything in place. So how do you sort of get your clients from 100 to like 50, you know, just levels? So when I have clients come to me, they're actually very reluctant to establish an estate plan. It's, it's, quite odd because they don't want to even think about the the idea of death. So I have to kind of couch it in terms of, you know, you get insurance um, for your car. You don't want to get into a car accident, but you need that for your protection. You want that peace of mind for your family. So I have that conversation in the consultation. And a lot of my clients really try to they approach the consultation in a way that they want me to talk them out of estate planning. Like, do I really need this? And I'm like, yeah, you do. You want to do this for your family, not just you, but your your legacy that you're leaving. And you don't want any questions that are left unanswered um, while your family is, you know, planning out your life as you're gone. Because these are things that should be covered in your lifetime. And those are conversations you should be having with your family. And that's the conversation I have with them because they really don't want to do it. Honestly, I've had people pay me and then just walk away from it. And I'm oh. like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. Wow. We actually fulfill the estate plan. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a hard conversation for most people to have, but that's tough. Do you think is, is it harder for the younger individuals, younger business owners 
or the older business owners? It's harder for the older ones, for sure. Wow. You would think it would be the other way around. Okay. Okay. Um, a majority, I think I've, I've had, I remember when I first started practicing, I had someone, she was like 19 and she was, yeah, I will, I will never forget her. She was the sweetest client ever. Um, and I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, well, I want to set up an estate plan. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and she had amassed this like small fortune Mm -hmm. at 19 years old. That's and I'm like, have you saved every single, she said, yeah, every single dime from the time she started working at 14, she saved it all. Wow. And yeah, yeah. Um, and I've never had any clients in that age range, in that mm-hmm. age range since then. You know, I think my youngest client is probably 32 thinking okay. about estate planning. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's very interesting. Um, I actually tried to do a webinar. Um, was it pre-pandemic? It was millennial um, estate. It's estate planning for millennials. That was the name of the web- webinar. Um, a few people attended and, you know, they got the information that they needed, mm-hmm. but I don't find that millennials are doing estate planning. We aren't doing that. And I'm finding that a lot of my colleagues and just, you know, people that I went to college with, we're passing away now. And, you know, I'm seeing the GoFundMes and all of that because you didn't have an estate plan. You didn't have, you know, life insurance in place. And these are things that are, are forgotten because we just think that we have time and we really don't. Time is, is one of those rare commodities. You know, you don't generate time, right? You can control it in certain ways, but you really can't regenerate it. Once it's gone, right. it's gone. Um, you know, as for uh, millennials, I think, you know, they're too busy on TikTok. Yeah, and- we're too busy dancing on TikTok. <laughs> and worry about estate plan. <laughs> Doing trends and, and different weird stunts that, you know, they're just, they're just, I, I see a difference in, um, you know, the way they think. And I'm, I'm sure when we were that age, our parents were like, oh my gosh, they're doomed, right? Because we were just completely different than they are, um, you know, but I still think it's, it's incumbent upon us to educate them and to get them to kind of pull away from social media and all the fun. Because um, mm-hmm. I think that they seem to think that life is all about fun, right? And it can be, um, but there's some work involved. And I think that, you know, that work is important. Um, do you see, and I, I know we talked a little bit about succession earlier. Um, have you seen anything like gone wrong? Because I think if you're telling your clients, hey, you really need to make sure that the person who's taking over your business is going to be someone who cares about it just as much as you do. Have you seen that kind of gone wrong before? Thankfully, I have not. I oh, okay. Good. I typically see things go wrong um, if someone wants for me to cure the issue, but I haven't personally seen that um, in my practice. No. Okay. No succession um, plans that I've created have gone awry, <laughs> so to speak. That's good. Yay. Um, what about a common theme? Like, do you see a common theme um, as far as, um, you know, individuals who want to create succession plans? Like, do you see a common theme among them? Yeah. One common theme is that they don't know who's going to take over the business. Oh. Because, you know, you think about it my business is my interest, right? It's 
what I want to do. Um, it's not necessarily going to be what the next person wants to do or your son or your daughter wants to do. So, and even with my profession as, as attorneys, I don't have, you know, a close family member as an attorney. So these are also things that you have to keep in mind. So if your business is one that requires a license, then you need to align yourself with someone that it has the same interests and of course can carry on the business from you. So you're saying it's, it's important that ultimately that person has some knowledge of what you do and they're in that same field, which actually makes sense. Cause you know, if something were to happen to us, we don't want a non-attorney taking over our law firms, right? That's like malpractice out the gate. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I, yeah, I, I see what I definitely see, um, you know, what you're saying. Now, let's kind of uh, switch uh, subjects a little bit. I, one of my goals and one of my dreams, and I'm going to make this a reality, is to be an adjunct professor. Oh. I've always said I wanted to be a professor. Um, how did you, you know, kind of get into that? So I um, connected with the president of HCC at the time, um, Hillsborough Community College, and um, he advised me to send a few of my resumes to different departments. And I sent them to um, two departments. I interviewed for, uh, I believe the criminal, uh, it's like some criminal. Okay. I don't do any criminal law, so that was not a good fit. Um, but the paralegal studies specifically, so it was criminology and then paralegal studies and dealing with potential paralegals was a better fit for me. And um, I connected with the director of HCC and we had a pretty good interview and he's kept me on ever, ever since. I've been working there since uh, 2014. It's wow. been a very long time. I, I what do you, what would you say your biggest reward is from, from being an agile yeah. professor? Uh, to actually, uh, introduce the law to these young minds because this is new to them. And I, I quite enjoy um, giving them practical exercises as opposed to theory, because, you know, when we went to law school, everything was theoretical and we really didn't get to touch anything. And I love to see that these students are able to do research and go and pull forms and pleadings and produce an actual, you know, ready to work packet for any law firm. And that's my, always my goal with all of my students is that they can leave my classroom and actually put in what they learned in a, in a law firm. Yeah. I, I love that you touched on that. A lot of people that I've interviewed, um, we all have the same sentiment. Um, and I think, you know, there's an added level of complexity because we're also business owners mm -hmm. and you and I am sure had to learn the hard way that being an attorney and owning a law firm are two different things. Oh, very different. <laughs> they are two different things. Yeah. You know, um, and that was not, um, you know, it just wasn't taught to us. And, you know, for, for me, I don't know what your, and please walk us through, you know, your, um, your uh, route to becoming an attorney. But for me, I always knew that I wanted to work, you know, for myself. But in my mind, I thought it was 
get a few clients, put your head down, do the work mm-hmm. and, you know, get the client what they want and everybody's happy. But, you know, it doesn't teach you about billing and certain mm-hmm. things you can and can cannot say to opposing counsel yeah. or certain things you can and cannot say to your client. Um, you know, thankfully, I subscribe to um, NBI. NBI. Um, they have the CLE, so they have a lot mm-hmm. of ethics stuff. And, you know, I watch those videos um, and it helps you, you know, kind of keep up with what not to do and, and, and what you should be doing. Um, but it was it was it was tough. It's like, OK, this is what you need to do with a trust account. This is what you can't do. And, mm-hmm. and all this stuff, um, you know, so I, I thought it, it was very interesting. I think that if we at least had a class or two on running a law firm, not just a regular business, but just a law firm, um, I think it would have been a, a, a lot easier for us to transition. But that's just my experience. What about you? Well, my, my law firm, I mean, my law firm, my, my law school actually had um, law firm management class. Um, so they I taught. I think UB had that, but I, I didn't even know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that it was quite important. I didn't need, I don't, yeah, I didn't take it because I didn't think that it was something that I needed. I didn't see the value in it at the at that time. But um, what I did see the value in was the uh, practical courses where the clinicals. So when we actually had clients, I loved that just being able to sit down and have those discussions because I was in the business law um, clinic and to see these clients come in with their packaging, all of their products, like you went from an idea to an actual cons like tangible product. I think that's amazing. And um, seeing that actually made me hone in on what I wanted to do. So I knew always that I wanted to be an attorney. I just didn't know specifically what type of attorney. And in law school, I learned that I wanted to deal with business owners specifically because I just love their drive. I'm just, I'm a driven person and I just like to align myself with driven people. And I just, I just love to sit on conversations with my clients. Our, my consultations really are just like battery packs for me. Cause when I'm listening to my clients tell me their dreams, I'm like, okay, these people believe in themselves. So why can't I believe in myself? You know? So it conti- it pushes me forward every time, every time I have a consultation, I just hear those dreams. I'm like, okay, this world is abundant and I can achieve just as much as they can as well. So it is a beautiful thing because we're building something together mm-hmm. and not separate. And I, I just love that. And you, so, you definitely get to see them grow. Like you said, mm-hmm. you're building something. It's not like, you know, preparing a deed and kind of just. Yeah. Um, like we've grown together as business owners. My clients have stuck with me from the very beginning. I have returning clients every year because they they come to me for the for different needs you know for trademarks new ventures they will continue to come because I'm very big on relationships and I've I've been huge on maintaining the relationships that come through my door and you know any other relationship I like to cultivate and maintain as well even if it's I, not I agree exactly I agree um you know we do the same thing I have clients, gosh, it's been with me for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they still call and they're like, oh, hey, you know, I need this done and so forth. And so on. one of the things we do is tax work. 
Um, so every year, you know, I do tax uh, work for some of my elderly clients. And, you know, a lot of them are separated or their spouses have passed. I'm not charging them, you know. Um, and I, you know, I just do it as a courtesy because I know that ultimately they have an attorney working on this. So if anything happens, I know the law, I know how to, you know, defend anything from IRS or Maryland state that may come up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's less stressful for them because it's someone, you know, who may have lost a spouse. It's, you know, you're already, you're going from a dual to a single income household that may be stressful enough. And a lot of our seniors, and I'm sure you've seen this, a lot of our seniors are living, you know, check to check. Mm -hmm. Um, so when things like this come up, you know, we're able to kind of, you know, resolve these issues. It's, it's a little stressful for us, especially when we're 10 days from tax day, but you know, if we can take on a little bit of stress to allow them, uh, to kind of flourish and not think about it, it's just, it's great. But, you know, like you said, I have grown with them over the years, um, through all of our changes and they're like, oh, so you don't pick up the phone anymore? No, No. I've done that in years. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that that part they do not like because they're like, attorney Stokes, I used to be able to call you and just pick up. Well, we've grown and we have staff now and, you know, there's actual protocol to get an appointment. And as your business, because they understand as business owners, as they their business grows, there has to be some measures in place to maintain that business and the efficiency of the business. Because mm-hmm. I can't be efficient while I'm sitting on the phone taking calls per you know all day. When can I actually work on your file? You know? Yeah. And it's I mean I think you know ultimately it's draining for us because mm-hmm. you know when you have I was on the phone with counsel the other day and um, he just sounded down. And I was like, Andrew, are you okay? He's like, Marie, I, if you saw my desk right now, you wouldn't even ask, yeah. you know? And, and I, unfortunately, I, I know what that feels like, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, so I guess that brings me to my next question. How do you take care of yourself, you know, to make sure that, cause it sounds to me like you love showing up for your clients. So mm-hmm. how do you take care of yourself in, in the middle of all that? I sleep. <laughs> and when I, when I say that, like, I mean it. I sleep. So I will go to sleep whenever I want to. And I, I'm a night owl. So I will go to sleep at one or two o'clock in the morning. And my clients know this. They will see that I've responded at midnight. And they they ignore that. They're like, it's just Shauna. She just can't turn it off. So I, me sleeping is turning it off. <laughs> So I go to sleep and then I don't, uh, unless I have a morning call, I don't set my alarm. So that's my treat to myself. I get to sleep in. Oh my God. On the mornings that I do not have calls or hearings, I just sleep in and that is my treat. And that I just fall into that because I love it. Yeah. Sleep is good. How often do you have to go to court? Never. Yeah. I love that too. I, I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love that too. Um, we... So we were at some point doing, um, we're not doing that anymore, but we're still closing up some of our cases. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with Maryland. I know that the Florida legal system is very, very different. I don't think you guys have as many hearings as we do. Um, but, you know, for, for one case, before you even get to trial, you might be in court three to four times. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot. So I did family law as well. And when I was, I stopped doing family law in 2018. 
Okay. What made you change it? Uh, stress and stress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just that it's yeah. not something, it's not a practice area that I just have the personality for. Um, the attorneys treat you like their ex-wife and I'm not, I'm nobody's ex-wife. So yeah. I didn't sign up for this, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just decided to just walk away from the practice area altogether. I loved the practice of, you know, business law, intellectual property, our personal injury and estate planning. I will just do that all day, but family law, I will leave that to the people that love it. There is a very unique person subset yeah. of people that can take it on and turn it off at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, we have an attorney here in our suite because um, I share office space with some other attorneys. And he's like, he, his poker face is amazing. It's a talent. It's a talent. And I ask him all the time, I'm like, Craig, how do you do it? That's his answer. Yeah. I just do it. And meanwhile, you know, we're losing our minds. Yep. Right. Because um, you want your client to be happy. Your client's mad at you because everybody else is mad at them. And you're just, it, yeah, no. <laughs> it's one of, I remember one thing that I used to get was, well, so-and-so got the house and the car and everything else in their divorce. I'm like, but you're not so-and-so. Right. Right. Your, and that's the one thing about um, the law. And, you know, you teach that to um, your students, the complexities in the law, Right one big layer of complexity in the law is there is no set of facts even if it looks as close as possible mm -hmm. there's always going to be that one distinction that makes your different. case very different than mine yep. right and sometimes the entire case will turn on that one little fact small you know? Small fact. Very, very small. Clients don't understand because they're like, well, my friends were able to get through this process seamlessly. And I'm like, well, there's different factors that are in place. You have the judge, yeah. you have evidence, everything that is a part of this case matters. Yeah. And it does, you know, hinge upon how much time it takes. So the, the time that we have in front of the judge we need to make sure that we take advantage of that because mm -hmm. otherwise we don't, you know, get to speak your case. You don't get a second bite at the apple. Exactly. You it's, just, it's you, really you really, really don't. It is very frustrating. Um, and, you know, I talk to, um, so I'm surrounded by a lot of attorneys, thankfully, that mm -hmm. have been practicing, you know, 40, 50, 60 years here. And I always go to them when I have like the weird cases. I seem to get a lot of weird cases. Um, and, you know, I'll talk to them and they'll help me through and all that. And I'm like, man, you know, how did you learn that? And they're like, by losing a few, I'm like, oh, I don't want to lose. Right. Oh, you want to win for your client. Yeah. yeah. But you, you just don't get a second bite at the apple. Mm -hmm. And I am all about, let's talk it out. Let's work it through. Me too. I, yeah. I, I feel like if you are the master of your settlement, then ultimately, I tell all of my clients, my goal is for when you go to bed at night, you say, I can sleep soundly knowing that whatever it is that we agreed to, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, where you don't feel like 
you lost or they won, whereas you feel like you lost a little bit, but you gained a lot and the other side right. feels the same way. That to me is the best agreements. The ones where both people walk away feeling like they gave up a teeny tiny bit, but they gained their peace of mind. You know, with family law, there's no winners. And that that is what I think bothered my clients and probably bothered me as well, because at the end of the day, they still they still didn't feel like they won. You know, because the judge is not going to give them a, a land, a windfall of money and just give you 100 percent of your spouse's assets. That's not how that works, you know, but that's what they want in the initial meetings because they're angry and they just yeah. want to go for blood. And by yeah. that case, they realize that they only get half and half is not the half that they expected. And they're still upset. So yeah, I, yeah it just takes a certain personality for um, family law cases and I don't have it. And I, I, I am, yeah. you know, I smile, I, I smile and laugh. Yeah. I smile and laugh too much for family law cases. Yes, I, me too. I like to have I am a, Yeah. I am a happy, super go lucky. I'm always ready to joke. Act yes, um, you know, so family it's it's just a different beast and yeah, so, for me yeah to all the attorneys that do it we we send our cases to mm -hmm. um you know other attorneys and we're like hey you know do you mind handling if that handling this and we we have a subset attorney of attorneys that you know we know they do great work they can take care of our our you know our clients so we just we've just been sending them um we still get calls once in a while do you still mm -hmm. get calls I got one call for dependency and I don't know how she got my oh. number because I never did dependency. Um, but I actually, on my, my calendar website, it's all bold. We do not accept family law cases anymore as of 2018. So I don't, I don't get any, any calls. So I think that Camille, you might have to add that Sorry. to our website. Yeah. yeah. She's shaking her head like, yeah, we, we, yeah, need, that. we need that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe just put, that's actually a really good idea. And then just put the, um, um, our info at St. Eve Law so that way people mm -hmm. can just send us a request and then we can forward it to our network attorneys because mm -hmm. I, I think that that would be better, very beneficial because we're still getting calls. Yeah. We, we don't do it. And I so hated have, saying that too. Yes, I yes, had a client previous clients. Me. Yes, they called me. So I had a person call me and I felt so bad because I had made the decision in April that I was not going to take any more family law cases. And she had called me in Mon on in March and asked me would I accept her case, and I said, "Well, this is the price." And you know, moving, I hadn't heard from her. So when I, at the end of April, she reached out and she's like, "Hey, I'm ready to sign up," and it was also right before her trial, so it was a double no. You know, no, we can't take your case because it's right before your trial, and no, unfortunately, we do not take family law cases and she actually wanted proof and I'm like I can't give you proof other than the fact that it's not on my website anymore I can't give you proof we, we yeah. just don't I think being that close to trial is definitely a double whammy. Um, the liability issues kind of skyrocket at that point in time um, I've taken a, a few but they they've been slam dunks I'm not taking anything if it's a slam dunk I'll take it but mm -hmm. if I see that the other side might have some kind of leverage or this might be you know, this might not go, you know, I'm not touching that, you know, you know thankfully. I would do is prenups. That's it. I will okay. do a prenuptial agreement. I will not touch anything else. 
Well, I don't even want to do prenups because ultimately the prenup does still require that I keep up with family law. Um, and our heart is really with estates and trusts and tax. Yeah. Um, so I, I was just like, you know what? At first we started paring it down. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, wait, I'm going to have to keep up with that. I don't want to keep up yeah, with that's true. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like, so now, how long have you been married? And now the prenup has to kick in. <laughs> Yes. Yes. No, for, for me, it's, it's definitely not good. So, um, switching from, you know, family law and, um, doing estates, um, estate planning, I'm, I'm sure it's very different pace, Mm -hmm. but also you're teaching copyright law, which is kind of, you know, nowhere in that mix. Do you like copyright law? I didn't like it at all. Oh, intellectual property is my baby. I just Mm -hmm. love IP. I love, that's just my, I love it. I love trademarks. I love copyrights. It's just so juicy to me. And everyone thinks I'm weird. Yes. Yes. They're like, why do you like this? It's so dry. It's not dry. (laughs) It's it's so fun. Well, people feel that way about tax too, because I love tax. I I don't. Yeah. When I tell people that they're like, what? You exist? Yes. You know, so much so I went and got an LLM in a darn subject. Yeah. So I I love it. I really, really do. I've been you know, deep diving into it since I was in my teen years, like who does that, you know? Um, yeah, but IP, yeah. I, I try to get into that, that and um, international law. Okay. I had a course um, with Professor Grossman um, at UV and I'm sitting in the course and I'm like, I know she's speaking English, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's not registering. <laughs> it's not registering, right? And I'm like, how am I going to even get a C minus yeah. in this class? Like, I, I don't, I don't get any of it. Cause my big thing was I wanted to be like Hillary Clinton. I'm not even joking. My mom is a huge Hillary Clinton. She even still has the sticker on the cabinet. I don't know if they told her Hillary lost. Um, <laughs> Sorry, mom. I know you're watching. (laughs) I don't think anyone told her Hillary lost her. Oh, Lord. She's still thinking. I'm sorry. Camille is dying back there. But but anyway, totally off topic. But I really did want to be like Hillary Clinton. So I'm just like, man, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to sit in this international law class. And she started talking about a treaty and some other stuff. And I was like, I am not going to make it. And so <laughs> I, I'm not going to make it. So I actually withdrew from that class and um, I enrolled in immigration law. Okay, so I, good. So I was like, yeah, I'm Haitian. Uh, you know, I'm going to work for my people. And my mom is like, what are you, you're going to be an immigration attorney? And, you know, she's like, have you dealt with Haitians before? I'm like, well, American Haitians? She's like, no, they're no. not the same thing. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, um, okay. So I'm in this class, legitimately found out that I was a U.S. citizen in this class. Like that, yeah, that's how much I was not paying attention wow. to my heritage or my status. Like I was just not, I was having fun right yeah so then um you know after that did real well in that class but then um the next semester um I kind of registered a little too late and so I was just like you know what 
I think I want to do immigration, but I always wanted to do employment law. Snoring in class in front of the professor. Like (laughs) Camille was laughing, knocked out. Yeah. Knocked out. And it took one class for me to say, this is not it. This Mm -hmm. is not it. So I left that class and immediately went to the registrar. I was like, listen, I have to change this. I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna pass. Like I'm not. And they're like, well, the only thing we have is estates and trusts and I'm going somewhere with this. I was, gosh, I don't even remember. I started law school in 2011. Mm. Um, so this was around 2014. So I took the scenic route, girl. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, happy, happy. She was like, okay, you know, it stays in trust. I said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, but I don't like thinking about death. I don't want to hear about dead people. I don't want to plan. I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, you're 26, 27. You don't want to talk about death. You don't want to talk Very about planning. Yeah. yeah. So that's why when you said earlier that the idea of death for your younger clients is something that they don't even want to think about. I was like, wait, I was like that too. <laughs> so when I sat in ENT, I was like, okay, we're going to talk about death. It was completely different. Mm -hmm. to what I could have expected, right? And after that, it was estates and trusts, gift tax, tax course after tax. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love, um, you know, with those areas. And so now what we do, kind of like what you do with your business clients, we make sure that in our cases, our clients are protecting their legacies, Mm -hmm. right? They're making sure that what they have worked extremely hard for can be passed on, you know, to their grandchildren, to their nieces and nephews, their, you know, godson, goddaughter, whatever. And it's such a blessing. It is such a blessing to be able to see the look of relief on your client's face, right? Yes, it it really is because they see me as their team member, someone on their side as a valuable asset, as opposed to their opponent. And that's what I love about what I do, because every area of law that I practice in, I am their team member. I am considered their asset and not their opponent. And that's where I'm going to stay because I just love it here. Yeah, it's a nice place to be. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the non-adversarial and it allows you more brain energy and space Mm -hmm. to pursue you know, music, copyright, you know, being a professor, helping other people, you know, in your case, wealth management, right? Mm -hmm. Things that will have a profound impact. Um, You know, me arguing with opposing counsel over, you know, a chair or a house, to me, it just does not have the same impact that it does when my client walks away with, you know, our folder with the logo that says estate mm-hmm. plan and stuff like that. And they're like, Marie, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it just doesn't like the, like the younger generation says it doesn't, it hits different. <laughs> it does. It hits different. <laughs> it hits different. So, it really you know, I really, really do love it. And I, I do want to, before we go, I'm totally monopolizing your time. Um, and thank you, by the way, because earlier, you know, we yeah. both haven't eaten. So we're both yeah. famished right now. 
So my energy was a little low. My food is probably outside the door waiting for me, but you know, I'll, I'll gobble it up when I'm done. But I do want to ask you about the, you know, wealth management. Um, you know, what are some, some themes and, and, and some, um, issues that you tend to see like pop up with the younger generation versus the older generation? So it's not more so management is, is about getting money in their pocket. So finding different aspects in their business or their life to make wealth, to create wealth. So we're trying to find ways to license your products, um, just expand it, expand your business into other areas that they didn't even think of. Um, so just getting their brands into the eyes of other people, which builds wealth. I love that. I love that. Cause we don't really think about that. Even with our firms, we don't think about that. Mm-hmm. We don't, we you just want to sit and work and like, how can we take it to the next level? We never think that. That's ever. it. Yeah. Which is why, you know, we have coaches and, and different mm-hmm. people that can, you know, kind of like put our feet to the fire. But I think you're in a very unique position, like you said, because you're with creators. Yeah. And I put the, their feet to the fire all the time and they yeah. can't stand it. They're like, do I have to protect this? Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. Because I had a client that sent me her, her shirts and she's probably watching this now. And she's like, this is going to be amazing. I said, it sure is. You better protect it. She's like, really? yes. And this client and a lot of my clients are creatives. We have people that just sits and watch them. I have a specific client that as soon as she got her trademark, she said, she's so funny. She sent Etsy her trademark certificate and baby, they shut down half of (laughs) her brand. And these poor people were going into Facebook groups talking about her. And, but that's, that's that's hers. Yes. It's your brand. You protect it. And I'm teaching people through that, you know, this is how you police your intellectual property. And best believe that nobody's using her works. I, I love that. Protecting your brand is amazing. That is not something I understood mm-hmm. um, until I started, you know, participating in different coaching um, events. And, um, you know, we have some Facebook uh, groups that talk about that. Um, and there's some amazing women that do like, you know, the kind of work that you do. In my mind, again, it's just, it, it's a business. It's not, mm-hmm. no, it's it's your business. I'm reading a book right now. Um, oh, I actually have it. It's called, um, well, I actually finished it. It's called Rise of the Youpreneur. Oh, nice. I need to get that. Listen, I, I read it. I was like, I'm going to, I didn't take notes. Really? I said, I need to read it again. Oh, wow. See, and that... then I'm going to read it again. Yeah. Because the roadmap that is in that book, it's about the brand. Right. It's to build that brand ecosystem mm-hmm. that we just do not think about. Yeah. You know, so your clients are super lucky, you know, to have you um, on their side and, and just doing the things that you do. Um, what you. is your impact that you would like to have on your clients and your community? I just hope that I can push people to the next level in life, you know, give them that extra push that they need to be greater, 
because I, I always challenge my clients and I hope that that is something that they that resonates within them <clears throat> and that they actually use and utilize that in their business and their life as well. Yeah, I, I agree 1000% and thank you for sharing that with us. I am also a firm believer that, you know, we can always better our best. So yes. Yes. it sounds like you take that to your clients and, you know, just thank you for being here with us thank today. No problem. No problem. We always love to just talk with attorneys, um, especially ones that are just out there that are just doing so many different amazing things that I don't think our clients know about. Yeah. You know, they don't know. They have no idea. I think, you know, we just show up, do what we need to do and leave. Um, right. But, you know, we're beacons in our communities and our homes and, you know, we just do so many amazing things. So that's why, you know, I have this. So thank you so much for showing up to share this with us today. Thank if um, if clients or potential clients want to get a hold of you, what's the best way um, that they can reach you? So it's Stokes Law Group on every social media, um, okay. <clears throat> Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Stokes Law Group. And okay. then my website is stokeslegalcounsel.com. And if you need to reach me personally, it is Seanette at StokesLegalCouncil.com. Okay. Okay. Well, we will put that up there again. Thank you for being with us Thank today. You. I learned some amazing things about Ms. Seanette Stokes. She is a team member to her clients. I've never heard that before. That is awesome. Um, you know, growing with them is important, I think. You are a professor, a protector, a wealth creator, and a motivator. I think that that is quite a package. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for everyone for tuning in, whoever will tune in now or later. And I am Marie Eves. I am the owner and CEO of the Saint Eve Law Firm. If you want to contact us, feel free to do so. Social media, please like, comment, and subscribe. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, tw Twitter, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm getting better at this. Before I used to kind of stumble my way in, in a little corner, like, where do we belong? Um, so yeah, anywhere that we are, um, anywhere that social media exists, we are on there and we are here to answer your questions. Um, our firm number is 443-707-8692. Give us a call and um, we're here to help. Thank you, Ms. Stokes, for being here with us today. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Bye.